Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me, as always, is Michael Shore. We blabbed on so long during our baseball predictions uh, podcast that we felt like we should just put this draft in a, a completely different file. So here is the baseball draft. And uh, we go on to our draft, which, uh, of course, with the with the uh, baseball theme in mind, our draft is simply things you find at a ballpark. That is that is all it is. And but I do want to clarify there was we did have one clarification. This is not things you find at a specific ballpark. Right. So this is not like you can't say like the Green Monster or whatever. This is stuff you find at a major league ballpark, whatever major league ballpark you happen to be going to. Uh, and you have the first pick in the draft. It's really like part parts of baseball stadiums. Right? Parts of baseball just, stadiums, exactly. Yeah, aspects of baseball stadiums. Yes. All right. Uh, I pick first. I'm taking home plate. Yes. Home plate. It's the site of everything that happens. It's a ridiculous shape. There is no reason for it to be shaped that way at all. But if you showed any sports fan in the world the outline of home plate, you would know immediately what it is. Uh, it is the locus of all of the tension and excitement and drama surrounding my favorite sport. I think it's a no-brainer, home plate, number one pick. Yeah, I love home plate. I was thinking about home plate in this way. So we we all appreciate the shape of it because it's, it's you, you, as you say, it's so iconic. And you see just that shape, even if it's just like an outline. You think baseball. It's very cool. It's, from a pitcher's perspective... You don't even see it. You, it's no. just a square to you. I mean, you're, like you're looking. You don't see that, like at the end, that it, it turns into like a little triangle there in the back. It, it's just there's no reason for it to be that shape. None. Oh, it makes no sense. I also have always felt like it probably makes it harder to call balls and strikes on the outer or inner edge, right? Because the the ball is can be traveling over one of those edges and then not be <laughs> over the plate by the time it, the catcher catches it. It it actually probably hurts the game because it's harder <laughs> it's like an optical illusion where like the, the the catchers the ball is not over the plate when the catcher catches it but it traveled over the plate it's absurd there is no reason for it to be shaped that way and it but is, if yeah i was gonna say it has also given us the utter <laughs> complete fallacy that you could throw a ball around the plate that has like been like such a big thing like oh not a strike. He threw it around the plate. It went like, around the plate. Yeah, around the plate. That doesn't happen. That's like not... it's a remote control airplane <laughs> that's being guided, and then takes like a hard right turn. It's it's so crazy. Yeah, but I love it though. I do love it. It's like a great thing. So I'm totally good to pick at number one. Uh, I am going to go with a little bit. I'm going to go a little quirky, but but I feel like this is still a a this is a powerful powerful thing. I love the on-deck circle. So I'm going to pick the on-deck circle. And there's there's two reasons I love the on-deck circle. One is um, that I used to love being in the on-deck circle when I was a kid. Uh, that was always my favorite part. I, I couldn't hit. But I loved being in the on-deck circle. Because in the on-deck circle, you have got, like, you power. There's just this sense of power that you have. You have the donut on your bat or you're swinging two bats like you're King Kong or something. And you do this thing in the on-deck circle where you watch the pitcher pitch and then you, like, swing as the ball is coming over the plate like you're trying to get your timing. That that doesn't work. That's completely ineffective. But you do it anyway because you're in the on-deck circle and that's sort of what you're supposed to do. So I love the whole 
idea of being about you're getting ready to hit you're you're sort of you're you're the next guy up i love that whole thing and then the second thing much more important is nobody uses it it's just (laughs) it's just there in the it's there every stadium has it not a single guy ever steps into it nobody ever nobody will even put like a toe it's like it's like holy ground you're not even allowed to like touch it you don't even walk across it and it's there and then but people are next to it or like behind it or whatever nobody actually steps into it but they still put that thing in there the on deck circle so huge huge fan of the on deck circle no stadium should be without one first of all as an old school guy i feel like i have to bring up it is one of the unwritten rules of baseball that you are not supposed to try to time the pitcher <laughs> from the on deck circle do you know this this is a weird one i did I'm not, not know kidding. this yes it is considered old school bad form to be in the on deck circle and wait for the pitch and then swing when you would be swinging. And guys used to get drilled for it. It is what it's, first of all, why not? (laughs) Why can you not do that? You're at a crazy angle. It's not actually, you're not learning anything. It's not like stealing a sign. I've always thought of all of the unwritten rules, that to me was the craziest one I ever heard, that it would be like, it's bad form to do that. So you won't ever actually see guys be in the on deck circle, watch the pitcher, and then like time the swing, like when the pitch comes in for the who for whoever's up. That's nuts. The other thing I love about the on deck circle, underrated aspect of it, is the guy that because of the physics of baseball, where people stand, they're pretty close to the hitters. Yeah. But it's just because of the physics of baseball, they never get drilled by foul balls. <laughs> foul balls never go if you. Get, just get a piece of a ball. It basically goes straight backwards or it flies over one of the two uh, dugouts roughly. Right. But that area in between, you never get for some reason, some physicist could probably explain this, you never get a like a rocket line drive that would co- that would go right where the on deck circle is. So it's this weird safety zone where the bat, where the hitters get to like be there like safely. It's really cool. I don't know why. I wish that I knew why that was the case, but I love that. It's on deck circle is great. Great. Number one choice. Excellent. Um, all right. So for number two, I'm, I feel like I have to take the pitcher's mound. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with that with your number one pick, but I'll take the pitcher's mound again, the other locus of all of the drama. There is something very cool about a team sport that, uh, that where every play begins from the same exact place. Mm-hmm. Every single play in the history of baseball has begun from the same exact spot on the you know, on the diamond. That's really cool. The rubber is really cool. The weird little rosin bag behind the <laughs> rubber is really cool. The the meetings on the mound are really cool. The and this the drama of every single eye in the stands being focused on the same point on a field except for like the center in a football game i can't think of another time when there is when the ball is not in play when everybody's looking at exactly the same thing and that the uh, the for that reason alone i feel like it's a good pick at number two yeah it's it's a very good pick it's it's uh there's a couple of things about the mound that are unique one is I can't think of another, I was trying to think of another thing in any sport where you can kind of control how effective you are by like how you build the actual place you're standing. So like if you build the mound up, you're going to be a better pitcher. Like there, the, when that that was the whole thing in 1968 is they had to right. drop the mound. There, there was talk this year of dropping the mound after Arietta had had that crazy second half. 
So, you know, so really it's, it's not, it's like a part of the game. I mean, it's literally like how high you build it will determine how good you are. And there are like some good mounds. I remember talking with, with Brian Bannister, former, uh, former major league pitcher, uh, about this and he would talk about how much he loved the mound in Oakland. He always thought the mound in Oakland made you feel like you were on Mount Kilimanjaro and you could just basically <laughs> throw right down, you know, like you were throwing thunderbolts down or something. So he always loved that, but he hated the mound in other places. And so I like that aspect of it. And then sure. I like that. It's like the pitcher's office, like the pitcher's like, it's my mound. Like I get, to, I can walk around it. I can do, you know, people come to visit him. Like they <laughs> <laughs> knock on the door, you know, hey, wait, you know, what are you going to throw this guy? Yeah, hey, just get back to your position. It's like a very, uh, it's a very friendly place, the mound. And uh, yeah, I love it. It's a great. There's also, there's also great, there's great aspects to it where like, the, do you remember that game where I think it was Mattingly went out to talk to the pitcher, left the mound and then stepped back on the mound <laughs> to say one more thing. And, and that counted as visits. a second visit. And the Larusa like called him out on it. And it was like, who knew that was the rule? The rule, like the mound has this like this weird sacred land where yeah. you can only, <laughs> if you set foot on it, it triggers all of these rules and clauses and stuff. Also, by the way, one last underrated aspect of the mound is that the pitcher's rubber is 60 feet and six inches oh, away from home plate. The best. That's just the best. And why? Who knows? Because it was probably an accident in some old ballpark and then they just made that the standard. But they just, there's, that fact is such a is such a wonderful thing about pitchers' mounds. It's so great. It's so great. By the way, we can't mention the mound without talking about a rod, like walking across the mound and nobody oh. nobody knowing is like that's you're allowed you're not allowed to do that. And then Jeter like says I've done that before. And, oh, okay. Well, then it must be okay. And so it was, <laughs> there's it is there's like a mystical thing. Like it's sort of like it's sort of like if you go into like a new like church or synagogue and you're like oh how do they do things here like every mound right. is like this this sacred land i like that i, I really yeah. like that it's an excellent pick at number two uh my number two pick is going to be again i'm, I'm going a little quirky uh with it but i'm going with the warning track as as my number two pick and here's the reason baseball throughout its history has been pretty pretty cruel not i wouldn't say cruel it might be a little bit overstatement but they've never really cared that much about the players in general the the owners have always paid the players exactly as little as they possibly could and of course then you know then the union broke them and they had to pay players and they've resented them ever since and they didn't really want players to fly in the early days they're kind of like ah eh, buses are good enough or trains and then and then they had to give in and so like all of these steps along the way players have had to win their own rights but from the very start they've given the players a warning track i did like just in case you get too close to the wall we we want it's like it's like the plug thing that you put in for little kids where like little kids so they so they don't touch the the electrical Sockets, outlet yeah 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 so it's like that it's like uh, you know what i'm worried about you you might get a little too close to the wall we're gonna give you we even call it the warning track it's just yeah. a little track that we're gonna warn you hey you're getting a little too close you know that thing doesn't work i mean it's not like anybody running at full speed after a ball really knows exactly like they you know they're 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 focused on the ball they're not even paying attention they think they're getting close to the wall, whatever. But this is the best they could do. They gave them a little warning track. It's there in every park. Huge, huge fan of the warning track. It's great. Uh, by the way, I feel like our baseball 
preview drafts are always very friendly because we're both so excited that baseball's back. Yes. That there's no contention. We don't argue about who's winning or who's losing. We're just happy to be talking about baseball. That's point A. Point B is love the warning track. Yeah. Great pick. Uh, I also love it because it it, it uh, gave a name to one of the most damning uh, uh, criticisms of hitters, which is warning track warning power. Warning track power. I yes. love I love warning track power. It it's like he this is like one of the you know thousand or so very best baseball players in the entire world, and you damn him by saying <laughs> he only has warning track power. As if the only as if he could only hit like if he took his hardest swing. And connected as hard as he could, he would only he would only land on the warning track. <laughs> I love that term so much. It's so degrading. <laughs> it's like it really is. It's so it may, it's like it makes me sick to my stomach to think about us saying someone has warning track power. And, and yet, wouldn't the rest of us give anything to have warning oh, track power? Like a warning track power <laughs> means you hit a baseball three hundred and fifty eight feet or something in the air off a major league pitcher. It would be like, of course. Of course, if you could hit the warning track once in the, on the fly, you would you would never stop talking about it. You'd talk about it to everyone you ever met. Uh, great pick. All right, so three. I'll go. Uh, I'm going. To, I'm staying a little traditional here. I'm going to go wacky the last two, but I'll go dugouts. Yeah. Uh, dugouts are great. When I would fantasize when I was a kid about being a major league baseball player, a lot of what I thought about was how fun it would be to be in the dugout. The guy always they always look like they're having fun except when uh, Papelbon is choking Bryce Harper. <laughs> but they always look like they're having fun. They do rally caps. They're, like, laughing with each other. When a rookie hits a home run and comes back, everybody's gone. They run into the tunnel. There's a, it's, it's like a it, – it's the place where the team is actually engaged. It's the only place on – because on the field, you're all spread out. And then there's one guy who's up, and everybody else is watching that guy. And it, I remember from playing as a kid, like, I always loved being in the dugout cheering the team on. Uh, they're just great. They're like great inventions and they're so cool. And I wish that I could hang out in one. <laughs> yeah, it's a great pick. It's it to me. It's, it's the clear number three pick. Um, <laughs> what, what else, what else could it be? Yeah. There's so many good things about the dugout. I mean, I, you can't even begin to talk about all of them, but a couple of the really, really good things are one is they have bench. They have a bench in the sure. dugout and nobody sits on it. Everybody right. sits above the bench. I mean, everybody puts their foot on the bench and then they right. sit like in that weird, like little area that's behind the bench. So th that makes there's no reason for that. I mean, it's not like it's more comfortable up there, but yet that's where everybody been. So they started putting cushions behind the bench at right. most major league clubhouses or most major league dugouts rather. And it's like they're saying, we know you're not going to sit on. We're, we're putting a bench in. But we right. know you're not going to sit on it, so we're just giving you this other area. So the I love that. The, the bench is a footstool, yeah, and the seat is the is the back of the bench. Back yeah. of the bench, which is which is awesome because there's no reason for that at all. Uh, the second thing I like is that there are water coolers, like old school water coolers, like the kind that you would bring like lemonade with on a picnic. Like the, every clubhouse has them, and like they're perfect for hitting really hard with a bat when you strike out. Yep. Um, but there are people, I mean, so people are walking over there and like getting little drinks out of those things. Like they didn't put a, like a little drinking fountain or something inside the clubhouse. They just put these little orange. So that's awesome. <laughs> I just love those things. And that's, that to me is great. And then the final thing I love about them is that of course 
they still have telephones in them. Yeah. They still have the open the box like it's like it's like it's the old Batman TV show. Open the box, pick up the phone. You can only call one person. There's it's not like there's a number and it rings out to the bullpen. Love the telephone that that they're still doing that. Greatest the club the dugouts are by far the best place in all of sports to sit. Yeah. Right? Nobody else is even close. No one else is even close. No. All right, my third pick is going to just fit right into that. I'm going to take the bullpen. Um, I, I will say I kind of miss, I mean, there's still a couple of stadiums that have it. I kind of miss the old bullpen where it's just like on the side, like in foul ground. Like the, most places don't have that anymore. They have their own special bullpen that's out in the outfield and yeah. it's kind of your own enclosed area. But I used to love it even more when they had them on the side uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because it was great when a ball got away which, you know, would happen once every month or something. Sure, A sure. ball would get away and it'd get into play and the umpire would have to stop. And it was like, yeah, you kids, stop playing out there. You know, <laughs> I was always like that element of it. And I also liked the fact that it was such, it felt like such a, like an afterthought. Like, hey, I, you, you need to go in the game. Um, go out and warm up. Where do you want? Just go out there in the outfield somewhere. Just go on, like, on the side. Go on the side. Just be, be off to the side so you don't interrupt the game. Yeah, just over the – hey, we have a mound out there for you. It's great. We got it all set up. Yeah. So I love those bullpens. But I will say the new bullpens feel cool in a different way. They're like a little clubhouse for those guys. They're, they're not watching the game. I mean, they, they're kind of half paying attention, but they're out there – you know, doing what ballplayers, they're telling jokes and scouting women and, 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 you know, and every so often the phone rings and somebody will be on the other line saying, Hey, why don't you, why don't you guys warm up or do something with your life? You know? So <laughs> I like, I like that too. I mean, it's not quite as cool. You don't feel quite as connected to the bullpen now, but the new school bullpen where you're, where you're all together in a, in your own little mini dugout, that's pretty cool too. Also underrated part of the bullpens down the, down the foul lines is when a like a line drive that's in play would roll in there and all of the guys warming up have to kind of like hop and skip and jump and scatter over the live ball and sort of run out of the way. That's fun. also great. Yeah, it is fun. And I like the way they used to always, I mean, there still are, you know, ball, ball boys and ball girls uh, down the line, but they used to be like, that was one of their things. They were protecting those guys. So like somebody hit a foul line drive, they had to catch it or like it could hit somebody, you know? And so yeah. I always liked that too. Like that, I always wanted that job. I'm sure I would have been terrible at it, but I always wanted that job of protecting the Cleveland Indians catcher from getting hit in the head <laughs> with a line drive. So bullpen's right. great. Bullpen's are great. It's a great choice. Great pick. Everybody's, this is all a very happy draft. Everybody's happy. Everybody's doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> all right. My fourth pick, I'm going to take, uh, this is like a concept, really, is what I'm taking. Okay. I'm taking the concept of the baseline. Ooh. So the baselines in baseball are, like most things about baseball, ridiculous. <laughs> there is a line that runs from the corner of the batter's boxes, uh, I think, or maybe the plate, to each base. Now, when you're running down the line, you have to stay in the foul part of that line. You're right. not allowed to go under the fair part. If you do and you get hit by the ball, you're out. So right. you have to stay in the the foul side of the line between first and between home and first. However, the base is in the fair part. So you have to run down the foul part and then touch the base that is all in fair territory. That's absurd. And then between first and second and second and third, you have a situation where there is a concept, not an actual line, but a concept called the baseline. And if you run out of the concept of the baseline, 
while a play is attempted to be made on you, you are also out. What that means is completely unclear. No one has any idea what it means. Umpires, if you like move away to avoid a tag, the umpire will point to you and very aggressively say that you're out, even though it's like you were maybe 12 inches to either side of where you normally are. Also, if you're running from third to home, you are in so deep in foul territory, you're almost in the third base dugout. <laughs> and that apparently is fine. No one's, everyone's fine with that. You take this crazily wide turn and run like through the on-deck circle and around the back of the plate and you run into the dugout for a second and grab a drink and then you come out. So you're nowhere close. No base runner has ever been on the fair side of the area between third base and home plate ever. It's never happened because when you're leading off third, you're standing in the third base coach's box, casually chatting with a third base coach. Somehow that's okay. We don't mind that. It's so ridiculous, and everyone has just accepted these rules and, and plays by them exactly the same way, and I love that that's the deal. I love that there are lines between home and first and third. There are no lines between first and second or second and third, but the concept of the baseline not only remains but is, in fact, enforced much more aggressively than it is between like third and home or home and first. The whole thing is delightful and is one of my favorite parts, like underrated part of baseball, I think. Is that they they just uh, everybody is abiding by some kind of vague concept of a baseline at all times? What about the fact that nobody will step on the baseline when they're going out to the mound? Ever, ever, ever. nobody. I mean, there there's there there has to be somebody who doesn't believe in that, right? There has to be somebody. But I've never, ever, ever seen anybody. No, there is. There is some. Maybe some eagle-eared listener will write in. There is a. There's like a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher who made it a point to step on the baselines, I think. It might have been like Greg Maddox or Glavin or somebody. There was one person I remember distinctly who was like, yeah, I don't care. It's a line in chalk. Like, why is everyone like, why is everyone freaking out and jumping over this like it's going to bite them? I don't remember who. I feel like it was Maddox. I could be wrong. But there was one. And I always remember thinking, like, that's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's the guy. The only Everybody else, like, shuffles up. And then, like, leaps over it like they're six years old playing a game of, like, don't step on the cracks or you'll break your mother's back. It's so crazy. But, yeah, there is – maybe someone will remember and can tweet at us or something and remind us who that is. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's uh, it's delightful. The, the lines are delightful. I love the fact that they draw the – like, down the first base line. So you have the line, and then they draw, like, that little perpendicular line to it. And then yeah. draw another line, right? <laughs> which, which I think is supposed to be, you're not supposed to be on that side or this side. You're supposed to be like in the middle or something. I don't really even know what that other line is. It is so crazy. It, they it's do it so every crazy. game. Every game they have that thing. It's so crazy. And everyone is like, well, that's the thing. You have to be on that <laughs> side. Why? I don't, it's insane. It's totally insane. The whole thing is crazy and I love it. I do love it. All right. That's a great, great pick. All right. Uh, with my fourth pick, I am going to go with uh bleachers bleachers in general uh but you can also like not everybody has like obviously wrigley bleachers really bad seats is what i'm kind of trying to get at uh and and here's the reason i think baseball is the only game only sport but kind of only mode of entertainment really of any kind where the seats absolutely don't matter now right. it, sure it's great to get really close seats and get a great view of the players and all that 
But if you're sitting in the worst seat in any ballpark, it's fine. It's like, it's awesome. You, you, you're going to get a beer. You're going to get a Coke. You're going to get a, you know, food. You can see the field. You can see the game. You're still a part of it. You're, you're really just talking to your buddy anyway. I mean, it's a baseball game. So you're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. It's the only sport, every other sport. If you have bad seats, it will ruin the experience or at least, or at least marginalize the experience. I I'm watching these people at the final four and thinking, are you just stupid? Like, why in the world would you sit in row triple Z to watch, like, Oklahoma get destroyed by Villanova? You can't even see the court. You can't even yeah. see anything. And football games at bad seats are that's uh, no fun at all. Hockey with bad seats, NBA with bad seats, no fun at all. Um, but baseball with bad seats in some ways can be more fun uh, if you're with the right company. And, uh, and I think that's just something unique to the sport. Uh, there's nothing like the Wrigley bleachers, uh, or those cool seats up above that Fenway, nothing like those could happen in another sport because they, you would never put the, like the coolest seats that far away from the field. I also love it when there's a sparsely attended game or a game that goes into like the 16th inning and they come back from commercial and you see a shot of the distant bleachers and there's a guy in row triple (laughs) Z Uh, who has not, and every row in front of him is empty, and he's not moving down. Not moving like, down. I, I love that because it's like, yeah, this is my seat. This is where I've been watching the game. What's the point? Like, I could move down and get a slightly better view. Who cares? I'm fine where I am. Thank you. Have there is you- like a weird. There's a weird like joy that people can take at baseball games from being in terrible seats. Have you ever uh, moved down and cheated your seat and sat in somebody else's seat? No, I am an extreme rule follower. Yeah. And my worst nightmare is that a person in a uniform of any kind (laughs) approaches me and tells me I have done something wrong. And so I never, I, that, that fear is so overwhelming that it applies to stadium ushers the same way it applies to like FBI agents. (laughs) So I, I never, I, I triple quadruple check that I'm in the right seat. And if there's a problem, I get so scared that I, uh, I lose my mind. So I would never, I never moved down. I, I, I did it. I did it once when I was, uh, when I was younger. Um, and I, it did it. And I should say like, I'm some sort of criminal. Like the usher told me like, go down, gone down there. Nobody's coming to the game. It was, it was like a Royals game and, and it was, they were terrible. And he's like, nobody's coming. And I went down and literally could not even enjoy the game. Cause the whole time I was looking around to right. see if somebody was going to come and then somebody did come. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, and the, like oh. the whole row was set up, but they they even though they could have sat anywhere and not made me feel like a total jerk, uh, they did walk over and say, "Hey, we're gonna sit over here." But man, that's our seat, man. That's our, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> you you didn't you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to. You come on. You could have oh. taken somebody else's seat, man. So yeah, I'm a. I I will never. I would never do that. Oh. I, I did it once, but I will never do that again. Gives me too much anxiety. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't all right. So we're at the end here. I'm going to give you my undrafted free agents. Okay. My my undrafted free agents uh, were the coaches' boxes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for for exactly the same reason that you picked on Dexter Girl, which is it is a very specifically demarcated area on the first baseline and the third baseline. That is the area where a person is supposed to do something, and you have—I've never once seen a coach be in either box. Ever once, ever, not for one second. They do—it's like a superstition. They do not step foot in the coaches' boxes. They were anywhere but the coaches' boxes, which I love. And they haven't, by the way, 
move the coaches boxes nope, because if, if they did the coaches would go somewhere else <laughs> uh i also love the batter's eye in parks the area in dead center field that is blacked out oh, somehow yeah. so that the batters the, the, they can pick up the ball because different stadiums do it differently the game in pittsburgh today has it, they have the pirates uh the word pirates written out in like hedges <laughs> in like dark hedges which is really cool uh, I also, and I, I was actually an undrafted free agent of mine was the actual bullpen phone. I love the yes. bullpen phone oh, so much. The best. So, but my actual fifth pick is foul poles. Oh, yeah. Uh, for many reasons, uh, it's well established that they should be called fair poles because if the ball hits them, then it's a fair ball. I love that baseball won't bend. They are called <laughs> foul poles. That's the end of it. Sorry. Nothing you can do. I love the sound of what a, a home run that hits the foul pole is one of the most exciting kinds of it home is. runs. The ball is bending and bending and bending and bending, and you don't know what's going to happen. And then it clangs really loudly, and it's so satisfying. It also uh, foul poles are wedged into stadiums in different ways, where like the 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 stripe is on the fence, and then the pole is behind it sometimes, and there's like a weird problem where you can't tell if the ball was a home run or not. There's so many reasons. I, But I love that it's one of the only sort of things that is that every ballpark has in exactly the same way. They're, I believe they're the same height. They're the same. They're in the same place in the stadium. They are the sites of a lot of drama. I love foul poles. Yeah, foul pole is great. And, and everything about the foul pole is exactly what you're saying. It's just stubbornly, they're just going to stay the way they are. They're not going to yeah. change them. How many home runs have you seen in your life, would you would you estimate where the ball went over the foul pole? You have no idea. The, the, it's the, a great the, question. Like a million, right? The foul yeah. pole is completely useless. It is utterly. Every now and again, there'll be like a line drive, and you'll go, "Oh yeah, that that was on the wrong side of the foul pole." But almost always, they're like above the foul pole, and you're kind of looking. It's like they're too short. We all know they're too short. Yeah, they're, they're not bending. They're not changing that. Well, it's very specifically for the team I follow. Right field down the line at Fenway is like 302 feet. And they have a hitter named David Ortiz, who is a dead pole hitter. He has hit a thousand balls that have gone over the pole. And it's very unclear whether they're foul or fair. And no one will ever know because he hits monstrous home runs and pulls them down the line. It happens so frequently down, especially there because it's so close. You can actually hit it. I believe. There have been home runs at Fenway that are measured at 299 feet, which is so great because if you tuck a ball just to the left of the foul ball, it's like, yeah, that's a 299-foot home run. Um, but, yeah, they're they're wonderful. They're I, wonderful. I, I love everything about them. Excellent, excellent choice at number five. Uh, okay, so my undrafted free agents um, are uh, the TARP, which I sure. think the TARP is so great. There's, again, so many things that baseball has that nobody else has that's just the idea that we're like, oh, it's raining. We have to cover this field immediately. Like immediately. <laughs> get, yeah. Get those kids out there and they cover sprint. that field. Those those guys <laughs> sprint as fast as they can when that tarp goes on. They are it's like they're trying to set a land speed record. Yeah. They run so fast. It's so exciting when they run out it's there. It's so great. And everything about the way they roll it out there and then pull and then, you know, and every so often they get it wrong and the wind blows them and it's <laughs> Love the tarp. The tarp Do you remember when – wasn't it Vince Coleman who injured himself on the tarp? He did. He did. He, he yeah. lost to the tarp. Yeah, he, he yeah. lost that battle to the tarp. So tarp is fantastic in, in, in every way. Um, I was going to go – I have like sort of a, uh, a weird a weird one, and, and that was going to be um, 
pretzel stands at at ballparks and it's kind of a relatively new thing i mean i i don't remember them so much when i was a kid but like where they make the pretzels on the grill like they'll have that little grill i don't know if you've ever had a a ballpark pretzel um they are absolutely amazing and so fantastic and should absolutely they're way better than cracker jack cracker jack sucks way better than cracker jack uh (laughs) baseball should be a pretzel sport in my opinion and they should only be those warm, like pretzels they put on the grill, and the ones that have like a billion billion specks of salt on them. Like See, that's just... my thing. Look, I love pretzels. I yeah. love ballpark pretzels. They're oversalted. No, it's like at a certain point, it's like I'm eating a salt lick <laughs> that has been put on a base of a small piece of bread. I, no. I can't take it. It's too much salt. Those chunks of salt are massive. And they cover the entire pretzel. <laughs> but that's why the grill is so great. Because if you get a good pretzel person, he'll bang the pretzel on the grill and it will lose like enough salt to like, all right. you know, from a salt right. line. All basically. Right. I, so, that's, I'm down with that. That sounds good. Huge pretzel fan. All right. But I'm not going to pick pretzel. I am actually going to go relatively uh, straightforward. I'm going to go with the batter's box as my fifth pick. And, and the reason is because it is the only, again – across sports, the only sort of thing that people very carefully do before a game, they very carefully chalk up that thing only to have the first guy completely treat it with disdain. Just, he's wiping that thing out. It's like, you have wasted your time. You're just complete waste of your time. He's, and the umpire's like fine with it. He's like, yeah, do whatever you want. I don't care. And, and so they, they, Take out the whole back so you could stand as far back as you want. Right. Uh, by the way, I love the fact that they have to like erase that before. Like, like if why couldn't they just stand as far back as they want with the chalk still there? <laughs> like, like, it shouldn't that shouldn't have any effect. But they they take that thing out. They'll take out uh, quite a bit of the side to their to their like the side of the thing as well. They'll take out quite a bit of that so they can stand as far from the plate as they want. Um, I love that. I love that that there's some guy that's their whole job is to like perfectly and you know they do it with those little strings and and they follow the the little chalk cart like right across these strings and it has to be perfectly straight. If yep. they don't do it straight, they'll erase it and like do it again and 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 then 30 seconds into the game it's gone. Just completely yeah. gone. I love there's that. There's a there's a pretty famous psychological experiment where it was about. I think it might have been part of the Milgram experiments, where they the uh, this guys would have people do simple math problems, like a lot of simple math problems, and then like right in front of their faces, they would tear them up and throw them <laughs> in the garbage. As a just like, and then they would say like, now do these, and they people just kept doing them, even though it was obvious that, like, that it was pointless. That's how I feel about the guys who who are making the batter's boxes. It's like they they're like, do make the box, make that's your job, make the box. And the first guy comes in and uses his foot to completely obliterate it and wipe it away. And then the next game, they're like, okay, it's time to make the box again. The box and they just, go, they just go out and do it. I, yeah, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to that box. You have to make that box. I kind of thought about it in the – in the uh, you talk about like psychological experiments. I thought about it like at the, win- the broken window thing. Like you know how in New York that the, the, sure. in order to get rid of crime that they would just re- they would just fix all the broken windows like immediately right. or they would like get rid of any – like paint that they would put on the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time, every batter, like send that guy back out there to put like the, put the batter's box, you know, right again and see, (laughs) and see if eventually like the hitters are like, all right, it's too much trouble. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tear the thing up. Why, why do they tear it up like that? 
I think part of it is the same thing. All of these things are of a piece to me. The refusal of the first base and third base coach to stay in the coach's boxes, <laughs> the refusal of batters to stay in the on-deck circle. Baseball is such a superstitious game that I think anything that is like clearly demarcated like that, they just want to like messy it up and just say like I'm this is like uh, like they I I think it is part of the game is like I need to just like elbow out my own space and kind of like not be in the place that I'm supposed to be. I think I think some uh, my guess would be that some of it's superstition and then some of it obviously is competitive advantage that they just want to kind of stand where they want to stand and not have the you know have the umps call them on it. Not that the umps ever would. No, no, they um, wouldn't. But, but any any place that where baseball players are told to be, they will not be. Like they will not. Like you said, they won't sit on the the dugout bench. They won't be in the coaches' boxes. They won't be in the on deck circle. They won't. They'll obliterate the batter's box because they they have to stand there. They have no choice. But the, you know, they any place that's like that's that where they're told to be, they try to not be there. I don't know why. I think it's just part of the game. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I'd like to congratulate us because this is now officially the longest podcast ever. Is that true? It is. Yeah, we're we're at an hour and a half. Oh, great. Um, so I think we're going to split this up. I think we're going to do well, well. And did we do that once before? Didn't we did we? yeah. We split it yeah. up. So I think we'll split this up. So people who are hearing this right now are not going to know what we're talking about. But yeah, this is <laughs> this is part two actually. And and we should we should end this thing by uh, by thanking all of the people who who tweeted out um, that they made it to the end of the last yes. one. Because yes. honestly, we're not going to give you a prize. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And we we'd like to, but. We don't even know how to do that. So, but in the spirit of of testing, like the uh, the the federal communications laws, <laughs> we should continue to promise that we're going to send people things because I want I I want to see how often we can promise something that is transmitted over airwaves without actually delivering it and not get at least fined. I feel like we'll get fined eventually. You we can, I don't think you can do that. You, you're not, I don't think it is fraud. I believe it is fraud. It's definitely um, fraud to say like, if you do thing X, we will do thing Y. And then just absolutely with impunity, never come close to doing it. <laughs> so what should we promise them? Well, actually we're going to split this up in two. So it's not going to be as, as, but if you listen to both of these, then, okay. then what, what? A car? I think we give. We, them we well, how about? What if we just do this? Well, this will save us. What if we just say, if you listen, have listened to both of these podcasts, and you tweeted us and say, "I got to the end." We'll just use the same hashtag. I got to the end. Sure. If you do that, we will privately, silently, in our each in our own homes, give you a nod of approval. <laughs> We'll just nod at the computer like good work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yes, yes. I think if you put, I made it to the end. Uh, I got to the end, uh, and but but we, this is, we're we're not giving this away for free. Don't don't tell <laughs> us, don't tell us you got to the end. If you really, if you didn't hear Michael's whole bit about you know about uh, the uh, the Angels and and their their roster uh, salaries, yeah. if you didn't listen to all of that. I don't want to hear this. I got to the end. You didn't yeah. get to the end. You, have to you won't. You won't get the nod of approval from us unless you truly got to the end of both. Of we'll them. know. We yeah. will know. And you'll know. <laughs> you'll know if you lie and say you got to the end. You'll know that we are not nodding in approval. Yes. Yes. In our own homes. <laughs> but if you do, we are definitely nodding. So, <laughs> all right, Michael, we did it again. We really did. We did. Congratulations. So, uh, happy baseball season. Happy Thank baseball you. season.